Welcome to another Sabbath School podcast on this quarter's lesson based in the book of Genesis. This podcast is brought to you by the North New South Wales Conference. My name is Nathan Andrioli and I'm welcoming you to lesson number five. This week's lesson is entitled All Nations and Babylon. Last week you would have looked at the flood and God's covenant. Uh, This week we will be looking at the tower of the building of the Tower of Babel. We will look at Noah's sons, Ham, Japheth, Shem, the blessings and the curses. And then we will also look at God's involvement with the affairs of man, especially in regard to the Tower of Babel. Our story today is found in Genesis, between the chapters of Genesis chapter 9, verses 18, and to Genesis chapter 11, and verses 9. We find in Genesis chapter 9, verses 1, Noah hash, rehashes to his sons the same thing that God gave to Adam and Eve when they when he gave them dominion over the earth. And it says, So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth, and all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. So we see that God is a God who wants to give. He wants to give to us all of the good things. However, we're going we're gonna to find out within the story that if we go outside the bounds of what is actually good for us, God needs to pull us up and to keep us in check in order for us to live safely and happily and he's he will step in to avoid us in avoid us from destroying ourselves the story of the tower of babel inherits its demise from the acts of mankind and his intentions to do evil first seen in the acts of ham the son of noah we find this in genesis chapter 9 and verse 20, and it says, And Noah beca- began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he, he drank of the wine and was drunk, and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brothers outside. In going about in this way, Ham deliberately and openly dishonored his father, breaking the fifth commandment which is to honor your mother and father. Interestingly, this commandment is the first commandment with a promise that your days will be prolonged upon the earth. So this is where we start to see the demise of the the morals of humanity after the flood. Now, the unnatural crime that Ham of Ham revealed the vileness of his character. And these evil characteristics, as we'll see, are perpetuated in the Tower of Babel and Canaan. After this event of Ham uncovering his father's nakedness, Japheth and his brother Shem did the honourable thing and covered their father's nakedness. And once Noah woke from his drunk stupor, he pronounced a couple of blessings and curses. So he said in verse 25, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. What is noteworthy here 
is that the prophecy of Noah did not actually fix the character and or destiny of his sons. But what it did do is show what would be the result of the course if they had chosen or the course that they had chosen and the character that they had developed. Interestingly, as a rule, children inherit the dispositions and tendencies of their parents and imitate their example. We should be careful in all things that we do as a practical application to our lives because children see it and they copy it. And we want to make sure that our actions do not determine the outcomes of what happens with our children. So what happened with Ham was that the vileness and the irreverence that he showed was reproduced in his posterity, bringing a curse upon his descendants for many generations. From this point on in the story, we move on to the genealogy of Shem, Ham and Japheth. And in particular note, we come to the sons of Ham in in chapter 10 and verse 6 of Genesis. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havila, Sapta, Rama, and Saptaka. And the sons of Rama were Sheba and Dedan. Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erek, Achad, and Kalneh in the land of Shina. From that land he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ir, Kalah, and Resen between Nineveh and Kalah. That is the principal city. I think here that it's noteworthy to identify in verse 19 that Sodom and Gomorrah were actually of the parts of the earth where these Hamites had actually taken possession. It accentuates the the sexual sin that Ham initiated from the point he uncovered his father's nakedness. And it seems to go, if we know what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, it seems to go to a very extreme sort of way. So moving on from this point, we now come to the construction of the Tower of Babel. Now, I will I would like to say that Babel in actually means gate of God. However, it most likely comes from the word balal, meaning to mingle, mix, and confuse. Most likely named gate of God because the intention of the building of the Tower of Babel was to reach the heights of God. Where have you heard this before? I know I've heard it in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah and the 14th chapter and the 12th verse, speaking of Satan, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. So reading from Genesis chapter 11, it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, or modern day Babylon, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city 
and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Interestingly, they are building this tower in direct opposition to the promise that God had promised the seeds of Noah to be fruitful and multiply rather and fill the earth. But it says here in verse 4, be, that let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. It was in direct defiance to God's promise. Not only was it in direct opposition to God's promise to them, there seemed to be somewhat some fear amongst the people that maybe if the earth floods again, we will need to build a tower high as the heavens so that if it does flood again, we will be safe above the waters if they do come. So there's this fear, even in light of God's promise that he would never flood the earth again, there's this fear that some sort of natural disaster would come and they must unite to build a tower as high as the heavens. So really, they've built this tower, one, in defiance of God, two, so that they escape floods or other natural disasters. I want to highlight uh, chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed. So we're not just talking about a small group here. We are talking about the whole earth came together to build this tower. They united in one front in order to put themselves above the promises. I would at this point like to highlight that there are some parallels between the story of Babel and the prophecies in the book of Revelation. We do see that the whole world gathers again in unity to defy God. It's written in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 3, And all the world marveled and followed after the beast. It's interestingly that while they were building the Tower of Babel, they were, had all one language and they were able to communicate effectively and achieve, somewhat achieve their goal until God steps in. Interestingly, in our day and age, language is not necessarily a barrier anymore. We can connect with people from all over the world and we have ways of communicating effectively that this is possible again, that the world united will build a tower to escape the promises of God, really. Coming back to Genesis chapter 11 and verse 4, we see that there's an expression used, let us make a name for ourselves. That expression is is used particularly when when you want to make yourself uh, God virtually it's an expression used particularly by God in Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 12 it seems as though these people wanted nothing to do with God but I would have to I'd have to really look a little bit deeper into this because I, I truly believe that there would be certain groups of people who were not necessarily wanting to usurp the power of God or not necessarily wanting to build a tower to put themselves in the place of God. However, it seems the whole majority went along with this. It's as if 
they started to live kind of like deists, where God is transcendent, he exists, but he's not involved in the world in which we live in, or in which they lived in, right? So they're, they're living kind of like deists, and it makes sense that the physical world, that they, they want to be in charge of their own physical world, and therefore following the pursuits of those who did want to usurp God, they became one of the number of those who have contributed to building the tower and to defying God. Now, interestingly, as I mentioned before, and I highlighted that it was on the plain of Shinar where Babylon, where the Tower of Babel was built and the people dwelt. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, this is referenced in the opening chapter of where Babylon was. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 43, we see this, a similar scenario here where the whole earth is gathering to worship at this tower, that this huge tower, this huge image of um, Nebuchadnezzar. And it's really linked in really quite nicely. It describes, it describes what's happening. You know, the book of Daniel and chapter 2 describes the nations and how they will succeed each other. And coming to the end, we find that there's one particular power, which I referenced before, which is a reference to Revelation chapter 13, where the whole world will follow after this beast in pursuing pursuing the goal of becoming powerful without God, or becoming a an untouchable power that they say no man can, who can make war. It says in Revelation 13 and verse 4, So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. They worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who was able to make war with him? We see the same in the book of Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's going to rule forever. And he resurrects this statue in order to gain homage from the whole world. And he forces everyone to bow down and worship. And if they don't, they are, by pain of death, they are threatened. Another interesting point is when Daniel's three friends didn't bow down to the statue in the book of Daniel, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Yet Jesus steps into history in order to save those who are truly dedicated and truly following him, who rests, who have rested upon his promise and have looked at his promises and taken them by faith. And by doing so, we see historically that God has preserved them through that fire. Now, we see the same happening in Genesis. And we come to chapter 11 and verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city. Now, the Lord didn't, God doesn't need to come down to see the city. God can see all things. But he comes down to show that he's not just a transcendent God, but he's an imminent God, and that he's intrinsically involved in the affairs of the earth, in the affairs of his creation. He truly cares about them. He truly wants them to be his, and he's going to thwart their plans to destroy themselves, because essentially that's what they are doing. They are building a tower. They were, they, they're cutting themselves off from the very life force that gives them breath. And the Lord goes on to say, Indeed, the people are one, 
They all have one language and this is what they began, begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So God's plan ended up being fulfilled that not only Adam and Eve's that he promised Adam and Eve to go for, to fill the earth, be fruitful and multiply, but also the charge that Noah gave, that God gave to Noah and his sons, be fruitful, multiply and scatter across the earth. So you cannot thwart God's plans. God's plan will always come about and it's always for our good and our benefit. And when we are in, when we are going in the wrong, wrong direction, God comes down and he becomes involved in our world, probably about 2,000 years after this event of the flood, Jesus comes into the world as a baby, lives the perfect life, sacrifices his life for us so that we may live eternally, so that we may have a life of goodness, of peace, of happiness, of joy. And he did it all for us. And in the Tower of Babel, Jesus really, God really gives us a second chance. He's giving the people uh, of that period of time a second chance to think about their ideas. Why are they building this tower? If we are to apply this to our everyday lives, are we trying to build ourselves to safety? Are we trying to build our ways ourselves away from something? What do you think could be an agenda where the whole world unites in order to avoid something. What about global warming or climate change? Is this something that the world could all agree on and band together in order to create a world where this doesn't affect us? Perhaps there's a fear of loss. So we have, we, we want to have security and it's natural to want to have security and Therefore, we have insurance. We have insurance on everything to protect our properties, to protect our vehicles, to protect many different things. We have insurances. And so we build ourselves. We are trying to build ourselves out of safety, into safety and into security, away from certain things. It is written in the book Patriarchs and Prophets, page 119, that many of them, being those who are building the Tower of Babel, denied the existence of God and attributed the flood to the operation of natural causes. But we know that it is God who initiated that. We know that it is God that needed to do that in order to preserve mankind, lest every individual be destroyed. The Babelers, as I call them, were determined to live without God as their ruler and therefore created a world without God and we're leading themselves to destruction. If we are living a life without God, these things will overtake us. The fear of loss, the fear of failure, climate change, global warming, natural disasters. If we live a life without God, we will allow these things to burn us up inside and eat us up so that we will take paths that will destroy us. In Selected Messages, chapter 2, uh, yeah, in Selected Messages, Chapter 2 and verse 52. 
it says Satan is working on the atmosphere. He is poisoning the atmosphere. And here we are, dependent upon God for our lives. That is the key. Our present and eternal lives. And being in the position that we are, we need to be wide awake, wholly devoted, wholly converted, wholly consecrated to God. But we seem to sit as though we were paralyzed. God has not restrained the powers of darkness from carrying forward their deadly work of vitiating the air, one of the sources of life and nutrition, the deadly miasma. Not only is vegetable life affected, but man suffers from pestilence. These things are the results of drops from the vials of God's wrath. In parentheses, God takes responsibility for that which he allows or does not prevent. Being sprinkled on the earth, God's wrath, and but faint representations of what will be in the near future. So God, like God did with the flood and with the Tower of Babel, it was a, there was a, a flood and then he promised them of what would come to pass if they were faithful. And he gave them the rainbow to promise them that he would never flood the earth again. But he, he, in our day and age, he sends us warnings by allowing certain things to happen so that we can turn back to him and put our faith back into him, put our understanding back into his ways. For the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So his ways are higher than his ways. He knows what's best for us. He created us. He's shown through the biblical narrative and through creation, creative history that he cares about us. He loves us. He's not only a transcendent God, but he's an imminent God. He cares about us as individuals. And if we just rest our faith and our trust in him, he will guide us safely and peaceably. So when troubles come and, and issues come into your life, problems and, and disaster, don't try and build yourself to safety. Don't try and, in the physical world, build ourselves to safety. God has us in his hands. He cares about and loves us. Turn to God. Look to God. And you will be safe. That's his promise to us. That concludes our lesson for today. I hope that you got something out of this lesson. I hope that you were blessed by it. And I pray that uh, you turn to God in all times. And I pray that you have peace and rest in the love of Jesus' arms. God bless you. And this is Nathan Andreoli signing off. This week's Sabbath School podcast, All Nations and Babel.